Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says economic data will determine how big the Fed's next rate hike will be. If, and I stress that no decision has been made on this, but if the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Meanwhile, the higher cost of borrowing is weighing on the housing market. Everybody is looking at the spring because that is the most important season for the housing market. Usually about 40% of home sales for the whole year happen between March and June. Plus, the U.S. probes whether a pro-Ukraine group played a role in the Nord Stream gas pipeline explosions. It's Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. This is the PM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories that moved the world today. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says economic data will determine the size of the central bank's next rate increase. Those comments come on his second day of testimony before Congress. Yesterday, he said the Fed is ready to speed up the size of rate hikes if needed. The Fed had downsized its last increase to a quarter percentage point. So how are markets reacting today? To help us understand what's going on, I'm joined by our chief economics correspondent, Nick Timoros. So, Nick, the Dow fell more than 500 points yesterday. Given that reaction, did you get the sense that Powell tempered his comments today? The most notable thing was that Powell started off his remarks, which were identical to Tuesday, but he ad-libbed one line where he stressed that they hadn't made any decisions, that their decisions were going to depend on some economic data that's going to come out over the next week. One way to read that was he was pushing back a little bit against the idea that this was definitely a done deal, that the Fed was going to do a half-point increase, which was one way that some investors had taken his comments on Tuesday. So it puts more of the emphasis now on the jobs report that we're going to get on Friday and the inflation reports that we're going to get next week. So how are markets reacting today on the second day of his testimony? Stocks were down just a little bit, not as much as they were down yesterday. And if you look at bond yields, they're a little changed. So there wasn't a lot of new information that came out of the second day of the hearing. And probably you could say less of a move in the markets. Nick, more broadly, though, we've sort of seen this face-off going on between markets and the Fed. Can you explain that dynamic a bit more? There had been this disagreement really beginning late last year and continuing through January, where the markets basically said, we're going to have a recession and or inflation is just going to come down much faster than the Fed had been projecting. And so the markets had been expecting the Fed to end interest rates sooner than Fed officials had said was their base case. And the markets had been anticipating the Fed to cut interest rates In the second half of this year, since February, since really the middle of February, that disconnect is gone because the strength that we've seen in some of the latest economic reports suggests we're not heading into a recession anytime soon and that inflation isn't improving as fast as the markets had thought. First, they came closer to the Fed's view about how much higher interest rates were going to have to rise And more recently, they've actually expected rates to rise more than the Fed had been projecting in December. So you could say that the markets have definitely come around to the Fed's view that it's going to take longer and be more difficult to wring inflation out of the economy. Our chief economics correspondent, Nick Timoros. Nick, thanks so much. Thanks, Anne-Marie. 
And the first new data point, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that the central bank's policymakers would be considering ahead of its next rate-setting meeting is in. U.S. job openings fell in January and layoffs rose in a sign that demand for workers could be cooling a little in the historically tight labor market. The Labor Department said there were a seasonally adjusted 10.8 million job openings in January. Layoffs increased to a seasonally adjusted 1.7 million, an increase of about 20 percent compared with a year earlier, but still below pre-pandemic levels. In other news, U.S. officials are investigating whether a pro-Ukrainian group was responsible for an attack last year on the Nord Stream pipeline, which brings natural gas from Russia to Europe. That's according to a senior U.S. official who said there is currently no indication that the alleged perpetrators were linked to the Ukrainian government. Ukrainian officials denied any involvement in the explosions. The news comes after Germany said investigators searched a ship in connection with the blasts. Our Berlin-based reporter William Boston has more details. The prosecutor's investigation in Germany today released some information that seems to mark a, a considerable change in the investigation. The German investigators said today that they found in January a boat that they believe transported the explosives that were used in the attack on the Nord Stream pipeline. The countries that are investigating the incident believe that it was a group that is somehow linked to Ukraine, perhaps not officially, or that whoever did this may have planted evidence as a kind of false flag to point to Ukraine. It's all questions that are very unclear, not answered right now. But at this point, what is known is that they have found kind of the trail of the perpetrators in finding this boat and being able to track its movements. The New York Times first reported that investigators were looking into the possibility pro-Ukrainian groups had attacked the pipeline. Russia rejected the recent reports, calling them a media campaign to create diversion. The U.S. Justice Department is faulting the Louisville Metro Police Department for widespread unconstitutional practices as part of an investigation into the 2020 killing of Breonna Taylor during a botched police raid. The DOJ investigation found officers routinely used excessive force and unlawfully executed search warrants without knocking and announcing their presence. These were among a series of civil rights violations that the DOJ found had a disproportionate impact on black people. A representative of Louisville's police union did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Separately, the DOJ also announced that it would investigate the role of special police units following the fatal beating of Tyree Nichols in Memphis in January. And lastly, in business news, we report exclusively that General Motors is dealing with a slower-than-expected rollout of its two high-profile electric vehicles, GMC Hummer and Cadillac Lyric. That's according to people familiar with the matter. GM says its EV output will accelerate in the second half of the year, but the difficulties highlight how car companies are having trouble manufacturing EVs at scale, hindered in part by challenges of navigating new supply chains for the technology. Coming up, the Fed's rate hikes have raised the cost of borrowing, and high mortgage rates are still keeping many would-be buyers out of the housing market. We'll take a look at the state of housing in the U.S. after the break. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. 
Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Spring is typically the buying and selling season for the U.S. housing market. But with mortgage rates climbing back up and the Federal Reserve indicating that it could speed up the pace of interest rates, the forecast for this spring is a little complicated. Our housing reporter Nicole Friedman has been talking to buyers, sellers, and experts about the dynamics in the market, and she joins me now with more details. Welcome back, Nicole. Hi, good to be here. So, Nicole, mortgage rates had been declining, but they've been back on the rise now for a couple of weeks, and a lot of strong economic data may change the Fed's plans going forward. So help us make sense of the housing market right now. Let's start with affordability. Where where do we stand? So affordability is not good these days. It is still much less affordable to buy a home than it was a year ago or during the pandemic housing boom because house prices have increased since you know, 2019, 2020. They've risen quite a lot. And mortgage rates are significantly higher. So for somebody who was shopping for a home in early 2022, wasn't able to get somewhere, they're still in the market, they have really had to adjust their budget in terms of what they can afford because of the higher rates. So what are you hearing from buyers and sellers right now? Yeah, from buyers, it is not an easy time. They are frustrated. If somebody has to be in the market right now, they have having to contend with higher rates that are on the rise. So there's a lot of uncertainty about where that's going to end up. And the inventory of homes on the market is really low. And so they feel like they don't have a lot to choose from. It's kind of a difficult, frustrating experience for a lot of buyers. And then sellers are also very uncertain right now. They are looking at house prices, which have been sliding from their peak levels last spring. So they feel like maybe they won't get the price that they could have gotten last year. And the higher interest rates also affect them because sellers are also buyers. They have to go somewhere new usually. And so if they have a current rate on their house that is 3%, even less than 3%, the idea of giving that up, going and buying somewhere new at a rate close to 7% makes that a much less enticing deal. So a lot of people who might be sellers are saying, I'm just going to wait this out. I'm going to stay put. And that's keeping the supply of homes for sale low. Spring is typically a very busy season. How might it look different this year? Yeah, so everybody is looking at the spring because that is the most important season for the housing market. Usually about 40% of home sales for the whole year happen between March and June. So everybody's looking at the spring in terms of what the activity level is going to be. But it could be a slower than expected season if the mortgage rates continue to rise or stay at these elevated levels that could keep buyers priced out of the market and that could keep sellers on the sidelines if they don't want to give up their current attractive low mortgage rates. And with fewer houses for sale and fewer buyers in the market, that could mean fewer transactions overall. So activity will definitely pick up in the spring because it always does. And there are people who are waiting for the spring to jump in. So there will definitely be more transactions, but it might still be a sluggish season compared to what's typical. What did you hear from experts and analysts about where we might be headed in the months ahead? There is a lot of disagreement Mm. among housing economists right now. Some people 
expect that prices are going to continue to decline and um, could see much more significant price declines in certain markets, especially on the West Coast or in the Mountain West region, where prices rose a lot during the pandemic and affordability really worsened, that some of those markets, some economists think, could have much further to fall in terms of home prices. Other economists say because the supply of homes for sale is still so low, that that kind of puts a floor below how far prices can fall, that if there's just not an excess of housing, if there's not a surplus, then that's going to keep prices staying where they are. What could be a turning point for this market? So everybody agrees it all depends on mortgage rates right now. And so rates, they hit a 20-year high in November, above 7%, and then they fell in early 2023, closer to 6%, and then now they've been rising back towards 7 again. And so we did see when the rates fell close to 6, there was more activity, more people came out. And so if rates go back down closer to 6 or even lower, that could definitely bring more buyers out of the woodwork, make it more attractive to be in the market. And if rates keep climbing... Conversely, that's going to keep people on the sidelines. And what about if the slowdown in sales continues? What impact might that have? So the housing market is a huge part of the economy. And so there's a lot of ripple effects. When somebody buys a home, they tend to buy a lot of other things to go in it. They buy a couch. They buy a refrigerator. They pay for a moving company. And so there's a lot of spending that happens in the economy after the purchase of a home. And so if there's fewer home sales and fewer transactions, that means less spending on home-related goods. That also means less revenue for real estate brokerages, for mortgage lenders, and also home builders and construction. We've seen a slowdown in housing starts in new home construction as demand for home buying has slowed down. And so that could also lead to layoffs in the construction industry and slowdown in that sector as well. Wall Street Journal housing reporter Nicole Friedman. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And finally, vacations can be expensive. The latest consumer price index for airfare showed prices were up nearly 26 percent on an unadjusted basis compared with a year earlier. But some parents have found a shortcut to save money and dodge crowds on family vacations. They enjoy an off-peak break by taking their kids out of school while class is in session and perhaps frame a trip to Disneyland as educational. While not every educator is on board with students taking long absences, our travel reporter Jacob Passy says some educators are willing to let it go, considering the experience children had during the height of the pandemic. Research definitely shows that an absence, no matter the reason, whether it's for a vacation or something else, leads to potential learning loss and students performing worse on standardized tests and things like that. But educators recognize that trips can be educational. If a family is visiting New York City, for instance, and going to museums, the kids are going to learn something from that experience. It may not be the same as what they learn in class, but it's still an educational opportunity for them. And then teachers also recognize that spending quality time with your family is important, especially after the pandemic. And so they're willing to look the other way, so long as it doesn't impede anything major like a standardized test or a final project or something like that. And that's what's news for this Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow morning. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm.